And I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 30. And we're going to read from verse um, 25. We're going to go down into chapter 31 today as well. But we'll read the passage in chapter 30 for the sake of time. Uh, Verse 25 of the book of Genesis chapter 30. Genesis 30 and begin at verse 25. came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away, that I may go into mine own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served thee, and let me go, for thou knowest my service which I have done thee. And Laban said unto my pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, Tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. And he said, Appoint me thy wages, and I will will give it. And he said unto him, Thou knowest how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me, for it was little which thou hadst before I came, and it is now increased into a multitude. And the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And now when I shall shall I provide for mine own house also? And he said, What shall I give thee? And Jacob said, Thou shalt not give me anything. If thou wilt do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flock. I will pass through all thy flock today, removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and of such shall be my hire. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come, when it shall come for my hire before thy face. Every one that is not spotted and speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep shall be counted stolen with, they, with me. And Laban said, Behold, I would it, be, it, it might be according to thy word. And he removed that day the he-goats that were ring-streaked and spotted, and all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted, and every one that had some white in it, and all the brown among the sheep, and gave them into the hand of his sons. And he set three days' journey betwixt himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. And Jacob took him rods of green poplar, and of hazel and chestnut tree, and pill white streaks in them, and made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had pilled before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs, when the flocks came to drink, that they should conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods, and brought forth cattle ring streaks speckled and spotted. And Jacob did separate the lambs, and set the faces of the flocks before the ring streaked, and all the brown in the flock of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves, and put them not up unto Laban's cattle. And it came to pass whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. So the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly, and had much cattle, and maidservants, and men servants, and camels, and asses. Amen. We know the Lord will 
add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts. Let's unite in a word of prayer. Our loving and our gracious God, we do come to thee in our Savior's precious name, and we do thank thee for the instructions again that we have in thy word. And our Father, we thank thee whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And we pray that as we come to thy word today, that there might be that speaking voice to our hearts and that thou wouldst come near. And O God, that thou wouldst lead us in the way that we ought to go, that thy word might be quick and powerful today and sharper than any two-edged sword. Bless us, we pray of thee, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, last time we looked at the life of Jacob, we considered his brides, and we thought about the way that uh, Jacob had all, we thought about his uh, boys and about the way that Jacob now had served for 14 years. He served his father-in-law Laban, and now the 14 years were coming to an end. So what was Jacob going to do now that the 14 years had come to an end? Was he going to go home? Was he going to go back to Canaan? Or was he going to stay in Haran? After all, now for 14 years he'd lived in Haran, He'd married in Haran. He had had all his children in Haran. The whole family really had got used to living there. Jacob was taking care of the flocks of Laban, his father-in-law, and they were prospering. Everything was going well. So why would Jacob go home again? And perhaps at this time he has heard about his mother and his father. They have passed away. I don't know about where, how news traveled in those days, but I would suspect perhaps that the news of the death of uh, the father and mother maybe had reached him. But anyway, he wants to go home, and he is desiring to go home. It says in uh, verse 18 of the, the chapter 17, how God had said, I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting portion, I, and I will be their God. And you remember how Jacob is the holder of the covenant blessing. He is the holder of the birthright. And you remember what God had said to Jacob in Genesis 28 and verse 15. Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this land. Now this is when he was at Bethel. I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. So here is God, and God is making it plain that God wants his people to be in the land of Canaan. There is going to be that. But as Jacob, with all, we have learned a lot about Jacob. But we can see sometimes when Jacob is so spiritual, and we can also see the times when he is a deceiver. And so what Jacob is going to turn up here? Is it going to be the Jacob that's going to be obedient to God and go back to the land? Or is it going to be the Jacob who is a deceiver and often is disobedient to the ways and plans of God? And I wonder, as we look, which are you today? 
Are you a person that follows the Lord with all your heart? Or are you a person who at times uh, fails to do what God would want you to do? Well, we want to look at the life of Jacob here today. And we want to see the way that God leads in this man's life. He's like the rest of it, the rest of us. There are times when we follow God, and there are times when we so sadly feel. There are many times in our lives when we feel the Lord, when we do that which we shouldn't do, and there are many times when we feel God, and we're just like Jacob in that. And I want us just to think about how Jacob now is challenged about the way that he's going to go. And first of all then, I want you to see his desire. Here's Jacob. He's been 14 years in Haran, 14 years in Paddan Aram, and now he comes to express his desire. And if you look at chapter 30, verses 25 to 26, it says, And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, and Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away, that I may go into mine own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I serve thee, and let me go, for thou knowest my service, which I have done for thee, or done thee. So there's the answer to the question. Is Jacob going to feel God? Is Jacob going to refuse? Here he is with his wives and his children. All the upheaval it's going to mean for them to move. His wives had never been in any other place other than Haran. His children had never been in any other place, only Haran. And now he feels that he needs to go back home. Indeed, he gets a call from God to go back home, go back to Canaan. And here is Jacob, and he is saying, well, I want to do that. I want to go back to the place where God has said that he wants me to be. And here was the news that had been communicated to him. And I want you to see here what a blessing it is to be in the will and plan and purpose of God. Jacob here, he knew that he was going to have to move his wives and his family. It's going to be a disruption and all the rest. But Jacob wants to do that which is right. And how blessed it is to follow the will and plan of God in our life. It's always the best thing to do what God wants you to do. It's always the most uh, wise thing to make sure that you're walking in your life in the way that God would want you to go. And I hope that as we go on in our lives, that we are those that seek God, that we are seeking the direction of God, that we're seeking the ways of God in our lives. We're not wanting to go in a way that's in complete rebellion against God. And we can see that here in Jacob. His desire is for that he might be sent away to my own place. He wants to go to the place that God has set out before him. But I want you to think about Jacob's relationship with Haran here. I want you to think now he's dwelt there for quite a time. He's 14 years there. He's made his home there. He has his wives and his children there with him. But I want you to think about how that in reality, uh, Padnaram or Haran here is only a passing place for Jacob. Well, at the end of the day, it's not his home. He has been there for 14 years, but it is not his home. Canaan is still his home. And doesn't that remind us of the way that we are as God's people today? This world is not my home. 
I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. You think of what it is said of Abram in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9 and 10. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Even though Abram was wealthy, even, even though Abram could have lived in what would amount to a palace, he lived in tents all his life because he said, this world is only a place I'm passing through. My, he, he's looking for heaven. And the view of the child of God is a heavenly view. This place, this dwelling place in which we are, is not our home. We are going to a city which I have never seen. We're going to a country whose shores are evergreen. And I hope that you're going to that place today. But we see something of that here in the way that that Jacob treated Haran. It was just a place that he was passing through. But not only do I want you to see Jacob's desire, but I want you to see his disagreement because after his desire is expressed here, his father-in-law, Laban, disagrees with him. Look again at chapter 30 in verses 27 and 28. It says, And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I find favor in thine eyes, Tarry, for I've learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. And he said, Appoint me thy wages, and I will give it. Now you notice the earnestness of the request of Laban. He says, He says, I pray thee. Laban really didn't want Jacob to go, or more particularly, he didn't want his uh, daughters and their children to go, the grandchildren. So he puts pressure on Jacob to change his mind. And you'll notice the admission that Laban makes in verse 27. He said, I've learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. So Laban begins to recognize that the Lord is blessing Jacob. The word learned by experience there in the Hebrew actually has a reference to divination. And it seems as if Laban had gone to his false gods or to the idols that were in the house, or in some superstitious way, he had determined that Jacob was a blessing upon him. And the reason, of course, wasn't because of superstition or because of some idol, because it was that God had blessed Jacob. God was there, and God was blessing the business of Jacob. Look at what Jacob is able to say in verse 30. For it was a little which thou hadst before I came, and it's now increased unto a multitude. And then look at what he says. And the Lord hath blessed thee. Not, not what I have done. Not, not what these uh, idols that you have have manufactured. But the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Or the, the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And my here is Jacob, and he's a testimony to the power and grace of God. And he knows, he knows that every blessing that he has, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Maybe the Lord has blessed you. 
Maybe you've had many blessings in your life, in your family, with your children, with your grandchildren, with the provision that God has given to you. And we need to recognize every day that's not our own. The Lord has given us these things. And he's given us them for a purpose that we might use them, use them for his glory and for his honor, that we might put them into, into use in the extension of the kingdom of God. And we only borrow the things that we have. We, we can't take them with us when we go. They're only borrowed for a time. And therefore, we use those things for the honor and glory of God. We see the admission that he makes, Laban knows at the end of the day that the Lord has blessed him for Jacob's sake. But then look at the appointment that he seeks. He says in verse 28, Appoint me thy wages, and I will give it. And he's eager now for Jacob to just name his price. Name what your hire is, and I'll give you the wages. Now the word for appoint there, appoint uh, me thy wages, means distinctly specify thy hire. And you might think, well, Laban now has suddenly become generous, but he's not really generous, because as a deceiver that he was, he wants Jacob to set out exactly what wages he wants. And he's not trusting Jacob, really, because as a deceiver, he knows that unless, uh, if there's any loopholes, what he's thinking here is, if there's any loopholes in what is being asked, Jacob will exploit the loopholes. That's what he's expecting. And of course, he has reason to suspect that because Jacob has been a deceiver in the past. But Laban himself is a deceiver, and that's the way that he operates. So really what he's doing is trying to close all the loopholes, specify, make it, set it out in detail, so that I know exactly what I'm giving and what I'm going to give you as a, a wage. And he's not being charitable about this. He is trying to make sure that uh, he's going to just give Jacob uh, what he wants and nothing more, nothing more. That's really what all this is about. And he's figured out that perhaps he needs to make sure that the wages are sure. And you know, you think about, here's a man here, and he is uh, being so stingy here with his um, son-in-law and with the family, and he's, he's working and he's, he's trying to manipulate things here in every way that he can to make sure that he doesn't lose the grandchildren that are there. And he, he's doing this all in the midst of all of this. But here he is, and the deceiving is still going on. But look at the advantage he lost. Because now Jacob was, was going to cheat him. Now Jacob is getting back to the old deceiving way of going. This is not right. Um, but we find how that Jacob now make sure that he's going to get the stronger of the flock. If you look at verses 32 and 33, he says, I will pass through all thy flock today, removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And of such shall be my hire, so shall my righteous answer for me in time to come when it shall come for me for my hire before thy face, every one that is not spot, speckled or unspotted among the goats, and brown among the sheep, 
uh, that shall be counted stolen with me. So Jacob is proposing that all the cattle and Laban's flocks that are brown or spotted and spectacled will belong to him. And then he hits on the peculiar scheme. Look at verses 37 to 39. And Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of hazel and chestnut tree and pill white streaks in them and made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had pilled or peeled, really. Pe- peel the bri- you know the way you peel a twig or a, a branch and it's white underneath. That's what it means. Uh, what, what, the rods which had uh, pilled or peeled before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink that they should conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle ring straight speckled and spotted. And then look at verses 40 and 41. It came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before their eyes, the cattle in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Now, there are all sorts of explanations about what happened there. Some suspect that maybe there was some kind of medicine on the roads or some kind of drugs on the roads. I suspect, perhaps, that this is a little bit of superstition. And because it worked doesn't mean that it was right. And because the Bible states something as what happened doesn't mean that the Bible is commending what has been done here. Nevertheless, whatever happened, God made sure the stronger of the cattle were Jacob's and the weaker of the cattle were uh, Laban's. And God was providing for Jacob's household here. For 14 years, he had provided for Laban's household. And now God had made sure that Jacob was going to be blessed so that his purpose would be fulfilled in bringing them back to the land. Now, we said about Jacob deceiving. He's back at his own deceiving business again. And it's in spite of the deceiving, in spite of what Jacob is doing. Isn't it good that we have a God who, in spite of what we do at times, in spite of our failures at times, that God still is blessing us? Now, we can't expect the blessing of God if we're walking in sin. We can't expect that. It is just that God in his purposes was working here in the midst. And God doesn't condone evil. He doesn't condone superstition or anything like it. But nevertheless, we see that God is bringing about his own purposes because through Jacob and through his line is the Messiah going to come. So God is bringing even even through evil and sin, God is bringing his purposes to pass. And isn't that the history of the world? God is working in this evil world. God is working in the midst of all of what is taking place. And God is bringing his own purposes to pass. But look now at the anger that Laban felt. Look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 31. It says, And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, 
And behold, it was not toward him as before. Laban had been out playing at his own game, and he wasn't happy. And the sons of Laban were angry. Matthew Henry points out that Laban's sons did not conceal their conversations from Jacob. And he said it would seem they said it in Jacob's hearing with a design to vex him. And there are evil people everywhere, and they mightn't speak to you directly, but they'll uh, speak in such a way that you are going to hear what they think of you. And he said, they said, you notice the hypocrisy of the words of Laban's sons. Jacob had taken away all that was our father's. Um, If you look at um, verse 35, Laban had removed the goats that were ring-straked and spotted and all the rest of it from the flock before and had given them to his sons in order to thwart Jacob's scheme. Jacob was going to have all the ring-straked and the brown of the cattle, and Laban had taken them out of the flock before he had given the flock to Jacob to make sure that he was going to keep, keep Jacob there. And so there was hypocrisy. Jacob had taken away all that was our father's. Whereas God had blessed the whole family because of Jacob in the first place. And here were these evil people, and they were angry. And when God begins to work, the world becomes angry. Don't we see it in this world in which we live today? There are many people and are angry against the things of God and always have been angry against the things of God. But not only do I want you to see uh, Jacob's uh, desire here and then his disagreement, but I want you to see his determination. Look at Chapter 28, verse 15 again. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all place, whether thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. That was God's words to Jacob way back in chapter 28 and verse 15. Now look at chapter 31, verse 3. And God's not couldn't be pleader. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers, and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. And you'll notice notice the reason for his determination. It was that God had given him a command. God had said. You notice the source of the command. God speaks to him. And if you look at verse 13 of chapter 31, God identifies himself. I am the God of Bethel. Now, uh, Jacob had said, before the God had visited him in Bethel. Now here's the confirmation. God says, I am the God of Bethel. I am the one that met you at Bethel. I'm the one that was with you at Bethel. I'm the one that gave you the promise at Bethel. I'm the God of Bethel. And he reminded Jacob of his parents' God, of the one who was uh, the God of Abram and Isaac and Jacob. Remember he had said that to him in Bethel. I'm the God of Abram and Isaac and Jacob. I'm the God that made promises to your fathers. I'm the God that was, uh, has been your personal God. Because when Bethel, remember, Jacob had, anointed, had uh, appointed a, a, a pillar and he had said that the Lord was in that place and he had dedicated himself to God. This was Jacob's God. And Jacob's God now was coming and saying, I'm going to fulfill my promise. I'm going to bring you back into the land. And God, 
is the God of promise. And you know, maybe we are away many years, and uh, maybe it takes a long time, 14 years it had taken here, but God is a God who fulfills his word. Maybe perhaps Jacob had thought to himself, when will I go home? But God eventually brings him into the place that he'd promised. And God has promised eternal life. And God has promised blessing to his people. And God has promised, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And God is a God who fulfills his promise. Do you believe that God fulfills his promise? Are you trusting in God today? Are you discouraged by the world? Are you discouraged by the fact that so many have turned away from God in this day in which we live? No, we have a God who will fulfill his word. And the reason why Jacob was determined because he heard the word of the God of Bethel. But not only did Jacob want to go home because it was the command of God, because of the source of the command, but because of the suffering spoken of by the command. Because if you look at verse 12, he says, I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. Laban was cheating him. Laban here was continuously, and he was now angry with, uh, with Jacob and wasn't treating him the way that he had before. And God had seen the sufferings of Jacob. God had seen what was happening. Isn't it a wonderful encouragement that Jesus knows all about our struggles? And he will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. He knows about our struggles. He said, I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. And he sees our struggles. He knows about the situations that we face. Not only have we the reason for the departure, but look at the requirement or the, the reason for the determination, but the requirement for the determination. God said, return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred. And then in verse 13, he says, get thee out of this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. And here he says, go to the land, go to your own place, as it were. And he says, get thee out of the, this land. Get, leave behind Haran. Leave behind the old deceivers. Leave behind those that are holding you back. Go. Go. And it's a call to separation. And how we need to remember the call to separation. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. If we're God's people, he says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And he says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. And that's still a requirement. That's still something for God's people. We are to be separate from the world, and God is requiring his child to be go to the place that I've appointed you and be separate from the, the world. But look to the reward of his determination. God said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. He's going to have to travel some four, five hundred miles now, not, not only by himself this time, but with his flocks and with his family and with his children 
and it's an altogether different and more complicated situation. God had said, I'm with you when you came, when he had left his own home and come to Haran. God said, I am with you. Now he says again, I'll be with you. When we follow the Lord, we can say, the Lord's with us. When we're in the path that God wants us to be, we can say that the Lord is with us. Look also at his, uh, we have his desire and his disagreement and his determination. Look at his departure. Look at verses 3 and 4 of chapter 31. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I'll be with thee. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock. So now there's going to be this breakup, and there's going to be this uh, leaving to go to the land that God has said. But I want you to see what Jacob does here. He uh, speaks to his wives. Doesn't up and leave and bring the wives with him. He speaks to his wives. And he wants to convince them. Now the Bible says that the uh, husband, the father, is the head of the home. But we are not to be the head in such a way as we don't consult with our wives. And the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. And if we love our wives, we'll communicate with our wives. We'll tell them about our purposes and our intentions and all of the rest of it. And there needs to be communication in the family. And while the husband, in the end, is the right to make the last decision... At the same time, we see here the, uh, uh, the example that Jacob gives to us. And he begins to speak to his wife. And he begins to tell them about how God has called them. And he begins to tell them about the fact that uh, their father's face is not toward them the way that it had been before. And he recounts them the whole situation and describes them what way he is and what the situation is. And he opens to them the whole thing. And he wants to show them why it is that he needs to do what he's going to do. And he's setting it out. And there's real communication. And isn't that the recipe for a good home? Isn't that the recipe for a home where uh, there is love and where there is communication and where there's understanding? Jacob here, he's not just going to up and go. He's going to bring his wives with him. In, not just in the literal sense, but he's going to bring them with their desire and in uh, and, and their determination as well. And if you look at verse 16, you'll see the reply of the wives. And isn't this a wonderful reply? Whatsoever God has said unto thee, do. Whatsoever God has said unto thee, do. And that's good. Isn't that good? Jacob had me tell them, all about the situation. And my, this is a great demonstration of what God wants us to do. And then he did it. Look at verses 17 and 18. Then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels and carried them away, uh, carried, carried away all his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting which he had gotten in Padanaram, for to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. And here was Jacob's determination here. He's going to go. His departure, he's going to go. And he goes 
with his wives and with his children. One more thing I want you to see before we finish, and that the defect. Look at verse 19. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. There's still idolatry in the household. Still idolatry. Even though they had said this, whatsoever God has said unto thee, do. There's an acknowledgement of God, the true God of heaven. Whatever does Rachel want with idols? What does she want with idols? Except there's still some superstitious adherence to her old ways. And she steals them. She, she takes them. She takes what is not her own. And in the midst of all of this doing the will of God, in the midst of doing what's right, there's still the defects. Still the defects. Isn't God's word, as it unfolds to us, just the way things are? You know, maybe many of us can say that in the midst of doing God's will, there are many defects. In the midst of doing what God wants us to do, and maybe there have been times when we have been maybe in the midst of doing missions, or we've been out knocking on doors, or we've been in prayer meetings, and in the midst of all that, something enters into our mind. Something sinful enters into our mind. Or there is some, in the midst of doing the will of God, there's still some old sin that is still there. Some old thing that we hang on to. Some, something that we just can't get rid of. Some defect. And you know, you can see the way that God's word unfolds itself. And it just shows us what we are. Here is one of the heroes of the faith. Here is Israel. Israel. The man who gave his name to the children of Israel. The people of God. And it shows him on all his defects. And in the midst of doing the will of God, still something wrong. Still something wrong. And it's wonderful the way that God uses us in spite of our defects. Sometimes the old devil would come to us and say, well, you're not a bit good. You're not a bit use. Look at all the way. Look at all the defects that there are in your heart. And we're not... We're not um, glorifying defects in any way. But isn't it good that God uses weak vessels, faulty vessels? Isn't it good that God can use you in spite of what you are, what I am? God can use us. He takes these very weak vessels and he uses them for his glory and for his honor. That doesn't mean that we um, are excusing sin in any way. Uh, Jacob and uh, Rachel here was wrong. But nevertheless, we can see that God can still use that which is weak. And we pray that God will use us in this day, that God will deal with our weaknesses and our defects, but that God will use us and that God will make this church a mighty instrument in his hands in the days to come. We know about the defects. We know one another. We know, probably know more about other people's defects than our own because we overlook our own defects and make excuses for them. And when we say defects, we're meaning sin. And sin is there, but all that we may bring all that we are to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ 
and that we might be like these women who say at the end of the day, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. May we do the will of God with all of our hearts and souls and minds in this day. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. I had my watch on today and the time is gone, so I'll get my watch on for tonight, but uh, let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for the uh, word of God. And Lord, we thank thee for the way that God takes the weak instruments. Our God, we are weak. We're defective. And yet, Lord, we're glad that God can use us for his own glory and honor. Use us. Take us up. Make us instruments in thy hand in this day and generation. Bless us now. Part us in thy fear and with thy blessing. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.